0: invite you to join me in Exodus chapter 20. We are so thankful for God. In January 2018 we got a call and it was what we had expected. Mom had been diagnosed with cancer. Some of you faced that diagnosis in your own life. You, knew, you know what we're talking about. You know the, how devastating that can be when you hear those words. That C word, it's such a dirty word in the English language, isn't it? And I, and I remember reflecting back, and I thought, okay, Lord, this is it, and and in my heart, I was just torn. You know, what in the world are we going to do? I, you know, mom is kind of like a, the glue that holds our family together. Moms are like that, aren't they? They're pretty special. And so I thought, man, I, I don't know what to do, Lord, but I began, began began to pray and began to seek God's work and, and, and just to follow the Lord's leadership. And, uh, you know, as we went through one treatment after another, after another, after another, it seemed like it didn't... We would get a little hope and then it wasn't working and, and then it was all, all over the place. And, but I'm so grateful Friday morning when I got a text message and God said, I'm in control. Amen. I still sit on the throne and mom's in remission today. Let me just say thank you from the bottom of my heart for being my church family. For loving me and my family through each of this, for Pastor Tolbert and Shirley supporting us uh, as as our pastor at the initial stages of that and loving us through all of those things that we went through, thank you for that. What a joy it is to serve a mighty God today. There is no God like our God, Amen. There's no Savior like our Savior, and let me let me tell you, if God had chosen to answer that prayer differently, He is still God and He is still good. We serve a faithful gracious God today. Let's learn about Him this morning out of Exodus chapter 20. I want to just give that as a preface because I want to remind you this morning that we do serve a mighty God and, and by His perfect plan we are on Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 through 3 because as we look here we're reminded of the Ten Commandments and right out of the box God wants to remind us of who He is. Who is God today? He is the only God. And that's what we want to look at this morning. There are no other gods in all of the world. There is no one else worthy of our praise. Some people today proclaim there's no room in the, in the law for the New Testament. Some are just the opposite. Some say there's no room in the New Testament for the law. Let me tell you, uh, this is what Christ said when He was here. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36. He said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Listen, Jesus Christ Himself proclaimed that there is one God that we serve today, and His name is Jehovah, and we're grateful for Him. And if you think about the Ten Commandments today, you can break it down into two parts. And, uh, and so as we consider this, the first four, part, first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second one, thou shalt not make unto me any graven image. The third one, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And the fourth one, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And these first four deal with our relationship with God and how vital this is for us to recognize the, the preeminence that He should have in our life today. The other six deal with our relationship to man. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not murder. murder. Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Number eight, thou shalt not steal. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Number ten, thou shalt not covet. And as we consider all of those commandments that God has given us, really, I just want to remind you of this great truth, that God still sits on the throne. That God is still faithful today. Jesus Christ, and when he was here on this earth in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12, he says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Listen, we live in a day and an age where iniquity abounds, doesn't it? We see where the love of many has grown cold, but I want to just remind ourselves this morning that God is still alive today, that we still serve a mighty God, and it's okay as Baptists to shout, Hallelujah, amen. I tell you what, I, I, I've been encouraged by the songs this morning, been encouraged by the special, I've been encouraged by what God has done in our, our, our services in this last week. We've seen seven saved uh, here in, uh, at, at Hillside in the last week. We've seen God perform miracles. Even in the midst of hardships, God is faithful. And we just want to tout all that He has done to the entire world today. A.W. Pink said this, Surely no anointed eye can fail to see that this prediction is now being fulfilled. Lawlessness abounds on every side. Men Men are bent on pleasing themselves. Authority is openly flouted. Disciplines becoming a thing of the past. Parental control is rarely exercised. Marriage has, for the most part, degenerated into a thing of convenience. Nations regard their solemn treaties as scraps of paper. Yes, lawlessness is abounding. And God's own people have not escaped the chilling effects of this. The love of many of them has waxed cold. The supreme test of love is the desire and effort to please the one loved. And this measure by conformity to his known wishes. And listen to this last statement. He says, love to God is expressed by obedience to his will. Amen. Today, we find many people walking away from the Ten Commandments, don't we? We can't blame our government for something that we don't uphold in our own life. And my heart's desire is as a church to come back to what uh, this incredible, uh, the, the foundations of hope in our, ministry, in our lives, in our relationship with God, and be reminded of where, where He is and should be in our life. Now, let me remind you of this truth the law doesn't save today. We know what it does, it demonstrates who I am. And you know who I am? I'm nothing compared to God. We're going to see that in a little bit more in today's message. But I just want to remind you that who, what God has done in the New Testament is He has shown us who He is. Though He is a just God, He is also a God of grace and a God of mercy and a God of love today. And I'm reminded that God is at work still in our midst today. And so let's look at our text this morning. Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 1. It says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the, uh, the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Let's stop and pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the incredible reminder of the, f- the hope that you offer this morning. Lord, hope comes through you alone. Lord, we've tried different methods, and Lord, we've tried different things, Lord, to try to appease ourselves, but Lord, we fall so far short of the true hope. And so, Father, I pray that those who maybe are here this morning for the first time or maybe the first time in church in a long time, that, God, that they would hear again the message of hope. They would be reminded of your place. And, Lord, they would come by faith to Christ in repentance. May you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I want to remind you of a couple of things, and just out of this text, I want you to see that God spake here to Moses and the children of Israel. He Really, this is what, we, what I want to say, the declaration of God. He, he's going to take some time and He's going to speak and boldly proclaim to the children of Israel the truth uh, of His Word. And this is really the first time that they have ever had God's commandments written down. As they come to Mount Sinai, we see where the children of Israel have approached the edge of this great mountain. And as they're there, God has told them to stay back. And that's what we learned last week about some of that thing. But now we see where God is speaking to Moses and is beginning to share some truth with him. And listen, God has spoken to us today. We don't have to approach Mount Sinai. We can approach the Word of God today and realize that God's Word still speaks to us. We can still glean from God's wisdom and grow in His grace this morning. And so we're so grateful for God at work in lives and we're so grateful that God was willing to declare, I am the Lord thy God. Above everything else, I believe that this is something we must recognize, that that God is God today. Did You see, at this point... There was not a question as of if there was a God. The question was, who was God? Uh, the question wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't atheists necessarily at this point because they were so closely tied still to the creation of man. When, when God walked with Adam in the Garden of Eden and there at the beginning, we see where, where man and God had a very intimate and close relationship. And that was all severed whenever Adam chose to rebel against God. Listen, we're all, as a result of that, we all fall under the curse of God today. Romans five twelve 12 says, as Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world. Talking about Adam's sin against God. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, when we were born, we were born into this sinful, uh, fallen race. But I'm grateful for God today. I'm grateful that, that we are reminded in, through the New Testament that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to the knowledge of repentance. And so what God did was He began to declare who He was in the midst of this really polytheistic time. People knew there was a God, but they weren't sure who was God. They knew there was a God, but they worshipped all kinds of gods. Remember, they just came out of Egypt, and Egypt, they worshipped Pharaoh as God. They worshipped a golden calf. They worshipped all these other gods that that truly, uh, even some of Greek mythology comes out of it, and even Satan worship comes out of some of the ancient Egyptian worship. And, and so they came out of all of this heresy for 400 years. They lived in this time. And so when God brings them to Mount Sinai, this is really their first meeting with God. And as they, He speaks to Moses, He says, Listen, the very number one thing that you need to recognize is, I am the Lord thy God. Amen. Above everything else, we need to recognize that He is God alone. So let's look at this through His name first and foremost. This declaration of the name of God, if you will will with me, uh, reveals to us who He is in our lives. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, it says, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. This term, I am, here is the same as what we find in the the word Lord uh, later, and that's the word Jehovah. Uh, J. Vernon McGee said this, he said, There is undoubtedly more included in the name name I Am that has ever been brought out. There are several things of primary importance that should be considered. The name I Am as a tetragam or, or a word of four letters, we translate it Jehovah. It has been translated as Yahweh. How do you pronounce it? It became a sacred name, a holy name to the children of Israel to such an extent that they actually forgot how to pronounce it. This was a precious name of God. And as we see this in the text, we see that God reveals Himself as the great I Am. In Genesis chapter 1, God, the term for God is Elohim. This means the mighty God. This is the self-existing one. He didn't need anybody else's help to create all things. Amen? It was Him and Him alone. The Bible says that He breathed the world into existence. And we're grateful for the work of God in our lives. And let me remind you that God is God today. There is no other God. When we see that in our King James Bible, you will notice the word Lord is all caps in Exodus chapter 20 in verse number 2. It says, I am the Lord. And if you'll look closer, you'll notice that this is in all caps. This is a representation uh, of the fact that, that this Hebrew word is Jehovah. The Hebrew word Jehovah actually is three words put together. And as we consider this, it means he who will be, he who is, and he who was. You see, God is the God who has always been. God is the God of the now and is the God of the future. And if we look in our Bible, we see counts and accounts of God working in miraculous ways in the past. And we see where God led uh, the children over the Jordan River. And we see where God provided for the children in the, in the wilderness miraculously. And we see where God provided uh, for David in, in, uh, when he fought Goliath. And we see where God provided for the early church. And we saw the power of God resting upon the disciples. And may I remind you this morning that the same God who was then is the same God we serve today. And if God is faithful then, He is still faithful this morning. And if we can, we can know that God is God, the same God then, then we can trust Him for today and for tomorrow. He doesn't change, does He? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, he has always been God. He always will be God. And let me remind you this morning that we serve a mighty God who is not just consumed with His own lusts, but desires and is consumed with us today. Isn't that incredible to consider? That He is not just a, a monarch, He is not a, a tyrannical leader. Instead, He is a gracious and caring and loving God this morning. And when He looks at us, He looks this morning, and though we may be sinners, if you put, uh, accept Christ as your Savior and you repent of your sins, what we learn is that He looks at us through the lens of His Son, Jesus Christ, and He looks on you, and He no longer sees a sinner, but instead one redeemed. He says, I am God. I was God then, I'm God today, and I'll still be God tomorrow. When it seems like the world is falling apart, when maybe you get news that's not good, maybe when the job falls through, when it seems like the finances won't stretch, let me remind you that He is still God today. So let's put Him first. My question is, if that's who God is, if that's what His name represents, do you really put God first in your life? Do, are we willing to put God first in everything? In reality, today, what we see in many Christian homes is, is we see our, our children enrolled in different activities, don't we? We get them involved in sports, and there's nothing wrong with sports. We get them invo- involved in other activities, and, and all of a sudden, when, uh, when it comes to the sport or the practice versus the Lord, one of them takes a back seat. Let me ask you who gets the front seat? Who is it that we allow to have the front seat in our life? Who is it that we're going to say, that's willing to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? First and foremost, above everything else, I'm going to make sure God is put first. Do we really and truly put God first in all things? This is what Christ said. Matthew 22 and verse 37. He says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the greatest commandment. Can I ask you today, or maybe I can, maybe I can just proclaim to you, I can't live this. I'll be honest, it is impossible for me to live this, and I think that that's the incredible grace and mercy of God on display here today, that as we look at the Ten Commandments and we see that God says, I am the Lord thy God, I am the one that redeems you out of Egypt, I am the one that you should have no other gods before me, we look at it and we realize, God, it is impossible for me to ever live up to this standard, and God said exactly, you are not God, I am. And the incredible thing is that God says, because I am God, because of the truth of the fact that you can't live up to my incredible, perfect standard, let me offer you a way to heaven today. Let me give of my only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we see here today that atheism is defeated before, perhaps a millennia before Christ, we see the atheists begin to really appear on the scene. This is what God says in Psalms chapter 10 and verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of His countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all His thoughts. Prior to this point, mankind was too close to the original creation to reject God. But we begin to see even during David's lifetime, where David wrote in Psalms chapter 14 and verse 1, he says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are all they are corrupt, they have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Hebrew word for fool is Nabal. Anybody know, remember the man Nabal? It's closely related on purpose, I believe, because this Hebrew word reminds us of Nabal and his interaction with David and, and his men. Remember, David had protected Nabal and his, and his sheep and all of his men in 1 Samuel 25, and then Nabal acted foolishly and refused to help David, and it cost him his life. So the, the Hebrew word is translated simple, silly, simpleton, fool, or madman. Knowing what we know about the universe today, Knowing what we know from science today, I believe only a madman would see these truths as not being able to point to the existence of God today. I want to show you a picture of a watch. Maybe. There it is. All right, Good. Now, I'm not a... Jim Davis, he comes to church occasionally and he works on Tinkers with watches, but just look at all these little different parts here. I'll be honest, I couldn't possibly, if you were to give me a bag of parts and say, John, please put this together, I would very promptly hand it back to you and say, no, thank you. Uh, You know, that's not my gift, it's not my skill, but let me tell you, if I was to take these these parts and stick them in a bag and seal it up and I was to let it sit on a shelf for two billion years, guess what? Those parts would still be on that shelf untouched just like they are. They're not going to magically come together into something we call a watch today. Those gears, those screws, the parts, the the spring, all of those pieces are not going to magically just assemble themselves. They need a divine Creator. They need someone who can put it together. And this is the, the, the picture that God has for us today. When we look at the universe and we see the intricacies of how it works, and we see the, the human body and how everything works so perfectly together, and we see the design that, that God has laid out, and we look at it and we can compare it to this watch and we say, without a divine designer and creator, these things could not be. God's general revelation. The lowest that a man can sink in human depravity... Let me just make sure you know who said this. J. Vernon McGee said this. He said, the lowest that a man can sink in human depravity is to be an atheist. That is what the Word of God says. If you do not believe there is a God, the Bible says you are a fool. You do not have any real sense. And having a high IQ is not enough. Look what David said one more time. Psalms chapter 14 and verse number 1 he says, the fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looketh down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No not one. God reveals that the, that in the human heart there is really none of us that do good. It's not just the atheists. But it's each of us. Later in Romans chapter 3, Paul echoes, echoes these words and he says, There are none, oh, excuse me, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Paul echoes these words and we're reminded that there is none that doeth good, no, not one. And while we're not atheists, I would say that most of us in this room are not, or would say I'm not an atheist. What we are is Sinners. There's none of us that that does good. The condition of man is truly corrupt in its ways. So let's look at the witness of God this morning. Out of Romans chapter 1, we see that God reveals to us truth. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18, if you want to look there in your Bible, we'll see that God speaks and He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. You see, the wrath of God is being revealed. It is God's answer to those who assert that the Old Testament presents a God of wrath, while the New Testament presents a God of love. There is a con- uh, continuous revelation not only of God's love, but also of, God's, uh, of the wrath of God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's revealed today even in con- our, our society. There is, a, uh, there is God's constant and instant displeasure with evil. He changes not. He, God, but God is merciful, and not because He is lenient with a sinner, but because Christ died for our sins. The suffering and death of Christ has not changed God's attitude towards sin, but it has made it possible for God to accept us, the sinner. The sinner must have the righteousness, uh, must either have the righteousness or the wrath of God upon him. Which do you have today? The effects of the sin are, are in the world are all around us, but one of these days we will see the effects of sin really played out in Revelation chapter 20. Because when in Revelation chapter 20, all those who reject Christ as their Savior will stand before God. And the Bible says the books will be opened. And as they look through the books, they'll look for your name. And if your name is not found and written in the book, Lamb's book of life, the Bible says that God will look at you and say, Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. And the Bible says that you will be cast into the eternal flames of hell. God says this. Big capital letters today. I am God. This bold proclamation truly uh, reveals to us the fact that God has uh, has created all things. But this bold proclamation reminds us today that we can trust Him this morning. Psalms 19.1 reminds us, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. We see that God's bold statement is backed up by the, the, all the things that we see in the world around us in nature. But it's also backed up by the truth of the authority of Scripture. We see the, the revelation of God Himself when Christ came to this earth. God is truly God. So let's talk about the defense of God. Now I'm not saying that God is some, someone that we need to defend today. He is perfectly able to, to care for Himself. What I'm saying is, I want, you to, want us to realize that we must recognize that we have to defend His spot in our life. We must make sure that we don't push Him out of our life, but instead remind ourselves that He is God alone. Remember 1 John 4, 4, Year of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. So we see first and foremost that our God is the Creator God. In Acts chapter 17, would you turn there with me? Acts 17 and verse 17 in your Bibles. I want you to see that, that Paul the Apostle was dealing with this very issue. As Paul was on the, on, Mars, uh, on, on the hill there at Athens and he's talking to the folks and he's trying to share with them the truth of Jesus Christ, we see that the Apostle Paul really begins to, to just share uh, what, who God is and that they need to accept Christ as their Savior. And so in verse 17 says, "...therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, with the dis- devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and said, What will this babbler say? Some Other some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection." And they took him and brought uh, him unto Arioc. Excuse me, Aero, Aero, That word. I practiced it, but I messed it up anyway. Areopagus, There it is. Saying, "We may know that this this new doctrine, whereof thou uh, whereof thou speakest, is." For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what the, uh, these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but to either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and behold, beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God." Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, Him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that He is Lord of heaven, and earth dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though He needeth anything, seeing He giveth to all life and breath and things and all things." and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far, far from every one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of, you, uh, of your poets have said, for we are also His offspring." For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that, and that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God at, winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead." I know that was a lengthy reading, but I want to share with you what Paul is saying here. He's saying, listen, you have taken time and you've studied all of these different uh, uh, false gods. And you've even made an altar to the unknown God. And you have sacrificed and you have uh, offered some frankincense and you have done all kinds of different things. He said, but listen, though you were religious in your life, you have missed the mark. Listen, he's speaking to some very religious people here, and perhaps in your past you've been religious. But let me ask you something. Just as a young man that I, I was able to speak with uh, this week, I said, "I said, listen, you've been religious all your life, but do you really know Christ as your Savior?" And praise the Lord, I'm grateful He got it settled. And he, like these, like these Athenians here, they uh, so many times we we play ourselves off as religious. And we've got these rules and we've got these regulations. And this is what Christ did. He came that we might be saved by grace. This is the truth regarding all of the religious practices that we want to to espouse. He says in Romans 3.10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Recognize today, when we look at the law, we see that the result is there is none that doeth good. But when we come to the New Testament and we see what God has done, we see that God is the creator of of life. Jesus Christ said, I came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And this is what God has offered for you today as He wants to be your Redeemer. In verses 29 and 30, we see that Paul preached this. He said, listen, God wants you to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb this morning. So as light has come into the world, God asks men today, everywhere, to turn to Him. Light creates responsibility, and so my question to this morning is: As you have heard that we, there is none that doeth good, and that this is what God has done—that He He has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that He might die in your place. And this is the gospel this morning: that Jesus Christ came to this earth, He lived a perfect life, He died on the cross, He was buried, and He rose again to save you from your sins. And if we will come to Christ this morning and accept responsibility, for our sins and say, Lord, I can't be saved on my own. I'm a sinner and I ask for forgiveness. This is what he says. You will be saved today. Because this is the truth and this is what what Paul says later in Acts 17, that God is our judge. We talk about God being a loving God, but listen, He's also a just God. If I were to uh, play out a a scene for you and someone that you loved very dearly was to come and they were to, to uh, be murdered at the hands of someone with great hate and venom in their hearts. And as he stood before a judge, tried and convicted, and the judge looked at him and said, that's all right, he can just go do what he wants. Would he be a good judge or a bad judge? He'd be a bad judge. And as God looks at us today, He sees our sin without, without Christ. He sees our sin and He looks at us and says, you're, down, you're, you're destined for hell without Christ. But because of His love and His grace, Christ paid the the price of your punishment. And God says this today, if you'll accept Him as your Savior, you can have a home in heaven. The Bible says it's eternal. It is not something that's just for a short time, but something that can be eternal. And God offers this to you. And God says, listen, it's not by what we have done, but by His righteousness by which we are saved. And so this morning... I invite you to know Him. I invite you this morning to come and receive the wonderful uh, grace of God for yourself, to understand that the law calls us to, to recognize who we are, and we are nothing without Him, but with Him we have hope.